Have you wondered about living elsewhere in your retirement? Well, we have almost daily. No, it's not a simple decision, especially when two people are involved. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about retirement destinations. We live in Brooklyn, New York, having grown up and worked in this area of the country. We're hoping to relocate when we're both retired. For us, it's the weather, the chaos, the noise, and the yearning to be near nature and not within three feet of human beings. <laughs> That's right. In February 2020, we embarked on our journey to find that special place. We spent a week in Winter Park, Florida, which is beautiful, but something said it wasn't for us. As we were planning for the next trip, the pandemic arrived. Jean then gave birth. I gave birth? To this podcast. With so many baby boomers retiring, many must be relocating. Why not connect with and learn from them? Here's a little background about us. I'm Asian, born in Brazil, and grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm an engineer turned attorney turned podcaster. I recently retired from a university career practicing higher education law. I love the academic environment, but it was time to do something else. I no longer have to set an alarm, drive in BQE traffic, or work with people who don't always share the same principles. Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> you bet I did. I traded all that in to binge crime dramas into the wee hours just a little bit to develop the podcast, to volunteer, practice metal smithing, tackle our possessions. No regrets so far, Jane. I'm not Asian. And as Gil mentioned, I'm not retired. I'm just plain tired. Born and raised in Long Island, New York, a place I always wanted to leave. I'm a law librarian working in a court who loves his job, but we're retired by the time we select our ideal location. We will be speaking to folks from across the street to across the globe who have moved to the dream venues and more. So please stay tuned. And remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Today, we'll be chatting with Karen Espig, who moved from Ottawa, Canada, to Pogradets, Albania. Albania is a small, mountainous country in the Balkan Peninsula. The east side of the country provides a long coastline on the Adriatic and Ionian seas. Montenegro and Kosovo to the north, North Macedonia to the east, and Greece to the south. It has a Muslim majority, or at least 50%, a legacy of its centuries of Ottoman rule. After World War II, Albania became a Stalinist state under Enver Hoxha and remained staunchly isolationist until its transition to democracy after 1990. The 1992 elections ended 47 years of communist rule. Located in East Albania, along the shore of Lake Ored, sits the resort city of Pogradets. Although Pogradets is not on the ocean, being on a large lake makes it a beach city. It is the 11th most populous city in Albania with a population of around 61,000. The entire country only has 2.7 million people. It's situated between two mountain ranges, though it is a city lying next to both mountains and water. Much of the city's appeal is in its natural beauty, which is characterized by the alluring glass-like waters, and you'll see in our photos on Instagram, of the lake and the nearby Dralan National Park. Pogradets is also great for foodies, especially those who like freshwater fish, such as Gillen. <laughs> 
And since it's a small city, it's very walkable. Jean? Karen was born and raised in Ottawa, Canada. She attended university courses in humanities and had a 21-year career with the Canadian federal government. She is also a self-taught artist and has always been involved in creative projects, but chose to pursue art in a serious way beginning in 2018. Karen is now freelancing with flexible and variable hours. If she's not traveling, she works about 20 hours a week doing conversational English with international students and around 10 hours a week writing articles for herself and on a lifestyle blog. The remaining hours are dedicated to the creation of art. She's a painter, working mainly in oils. Her interests include naturally art, travel, writing, and photography. Hi, Karen, and welcome to Retire There. There are lots of places in the world. How in the world did you wind up in Albania and specifically Pogradets? Hi, Jean and Gil. Nice to meet you. I ended up in Pogradets after I'd ruled out some other countries and, and decided on Albania. And then, then I narrowed down to Pogradets. Why Albania? It came down to cost of living living on water and the ability to get a residence, a long stay visa or residence permit easily because I, I was already dealing with a great deal of stress of moving abroad, getting rid of all of my possessions, leaving my job, leaving my family that I wanted to sort of pick a country where I could move to and not have additional problems because of a difficult residency process. And you say you work. So you have a work visa? Uh, well, I'm temporary residence permit, and it's based on me being self-employed. There are, are different types, um, and that's the one that seemed most appropriate for me. So I'm a self-employed artist. I pay social social insurance taxes, I guess is what you would call it. And I pay municipal taxes as a business in Pogradex. Albania made it easy for you to go there as opposed to other countries, I suppose. Yeah, it, just from what I'd read, you know, I did a lot of searches, joined expat groups and just to see the comments from some of the other countries and ones that it, it seemed like it was problematic. I just sort of moved on <laughs> because, I, as I said, I wanted something fairly straightforward. I did hire a consulting agency to help me with my visa, but basically they told me what was required. I provided documents and, and showed up at various appointments. Very little really was required of me. It went, went fairly smoothly and quickly. Overall, it was a very positive experience and not very burdensome for me. And why did you leave Ottawa? I mean, you could have just stayed there, I assume, right? Yeah. When I was pondering all this, uh, I was 50 three, I guess. And I had already planned to retire a little early at 60. Then the, the lockdown happened in 2020, of course. And suddenly I was working from home and had a lot of time on my hands to think about life and, and what I wanted to do. I was looking at the numbers. When I retired at 60, how much would my pension be? So I looked at that calculation and then I looked at, okay, how much will my pension be if I retire at 58? And it, you know, and then I just kept going down until I was down to 53 at the time. And I'm like, hmm, <laughs> my rent, my rent was so high in Ottawa that even if I was 60 and I got my full pension amount, I was going to have to leave Ottawa. There's ah. no way I could live there. Then I'm like, well, where am I going to live? I don't, I want to have a good quality of life if I'm, you know, when I'm retired. So then I started seriously looking, okay, what does it cost to live somewhere else. And I've always wanted to travel much more in Europe. So now I'm like, well, maybe I could live in Europe. Then I started pricing how much does it cost to live in this country and this country. And and then next thing I know, I'm sending in my retirement letter. And <laughs> Wow. Wow. Well, okay. Two things. You're able to retire early. And although we read that 
you're still kind of semi working, but doing wonderful things, because I love those wonderful things that you're doing. Did you consider other European cities? Like I'm trying to understand, was Albania the most economical? Had you been there before? Do you have relatives there? I had not been to Albania or really anywhere in Europe other than a, a short trip to Paris, you know, many, many right. years ago. Uh-huh. From my job, I have a small pension. So what happens when you retire early is the lower amount because mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. starting earlier. I had sort of a rough amount of what it was going to cost. And yes, I looked at many other European countries and cities, Portugal and Spain, you know, are the sort of the reflex hotspot for for American and Canadian retirees anyway. So I looked at those, but they were still a little out of my price range. Mm. There were visas that I could qualify for, long stay visas. So then I'm like, well, what's cheaper? (laughs) So I moved east. I looked at Croatia, dreamed about Greece and Italy, but just too difficult, too expensive. So uh, Georgia is another option, but it's a little too far east. So I don't know. I somehow I stumbled onto Albania. I didn't see any downside. I just kept everything I looked up sounded good. Obviously, you're you're not getting the full picture when you're doing research on the internet. I felt good that I had a good idea of what it was going to be like there. It looked beautiful. It actually reminded me a little bit of Canada, but on a very condensed scale. (laughs) So lakes and rivers and mountains, but Mm -hmm. all sort of in the same neighborhood. That's how it ended up choosing uh, Albania. When you moved there, you had never been to Albania before? No. And I didn't know any Albanian other than, uh, so I started language training in January of 2022. And then I moved here in February. So I had that, that was my only Albanian contact is my language tutor that, that lived in Tirana, Albania. Yeah. Other than that, I was going in cold. (laughs) Wow. No fear. Kudos. You're a single woman moving to a foreign country. So are your linguistic skills? I mean, I have to say you, you, well, you also teach language. I mean, you teach English. And- well, I, I, yeah, I, I'll, I'll stop you there. I don't teach. I'm not qual- a qualified teacher. I participate in conversational English. So it's okay. people that want to practice their English with a native speaker. Uh, I see. And so have you learned Albanian? I would say I'm a slow student, but yes, I have learned the basics. Tutor is excellent. And then just living here, I can hear how things are pronounced. So that's been very helpful. And Mm -hmm. I read the signs, of course, and and I can sound out the sounds. And I'm nowhere near any kind of fluent, but I can go to the grocery store. I can ask how much things cost or what Mm -hmm. time something is at, which is fine. Yeah. Okay. So you are so lucky that you did this in the internet age, because if you did it before, Um, the research would have been nearly impossible, right? Yeah. I assume. I can't even, yeah, I can't even imagine how this would have happened. (laughs) Right. You know, we don't realize, I mean, that's the upside Mm -hmm. of technology that it allowed so many people to do, you know, what you did. Did we talk about how you homed in on the city? Well, yeah, we didn't yet. (laughs) I want I really have always wanted to live on water. The dream of living on the seaside is just it's still there. I love water so much. I did look at the seaside cities first and the sort of the big 3 there is Saranda, Duras and Vlora. So I looked at all of those and then I also looked at Pogradets which is on this huge ancient lake. It's actually one of the oldest lakes in I think in Europe. Usually lakes, I guess, have a lifespan and they dry up over time. This oh. one doesn't because of the way it was formed. So so it's this beautiful old lake. It just 
really started to appeal to me because it's less touristy. There is a definite tourist time, which is July and August. However, it's all or a majority of Albanian tourists. Oh, so it's uh, families that come. Okay. There's very, there, I mean, there's a few international tourists, but most of the international tourists go to those coastline cities. Uh, the beaches are more, um, more extravagant. There's nicer resorts on the coastline beaches, whereas uh, Pogorets is, it's kind of like lake country. It's a very different feel, which I really like. So it gets a bit busy, but not crazy busy during nice, tours. Nice. And what is yeah. the name of that lake that you mentioned that hasn't dried up? Yeah, it depends on what language you're saying it in. So okay. I, in English, I would say like Orid. Okay. In Albanian, it'd be Oher. In Mas- North Macedonian, it would be Ohrid. I have to tell you, I saw, I was looking at photographs of Progredets. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely beautiful because you have the mountains, then the mm-hmm. city, the beautiful lake. It's yeah. just, in- yeah. it's incredible. Every so time I found it by nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. The town itself is simple. There's no real t- touristy area, no old town or quaint little. It's all about the shoreline, the boardwalk, the lake, uh, which is just incredibly beautiful. Very nice. Yeah. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. I wanted to, at this point, talk about the currency. I'm looking at Albanian lek to US dollars. It's one lek to. Now, this is going to be very little, 0.0103 U.S. dollar. Is that the currency? Yeah. So usually just like 100 lek is probably then whatever, dollar mm-hmm. 15 American, maybe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or a dollar. Okay. So okay. add the zeros in, uh, to everything. Okay. Yeah. Albania is not in the European Union, right? No, no. Okay. So let's talk about a city that you had not known of except for a little dot on uh, Google Earth. <laughs> yeah. How did you go about housing? Did you rent? Did you buy? Definitely rent, not in any position to buy. Yeah, it, that is the trickiest part about a small town. So in Tirana, there's there are more resources. There's rental agents. There's a robust expat community that can help you out. Pogredets, there's none of that. So I found a place through, I think it was Airbnb. Actually, I found a bunch of places sent a blast of emails out saying, you know, in theory, is this available for a long-term rental? What would it cost? I ended up with one that was very reasonable that was arranged ahead of time. Knowing what I know now, that was not the best way to go about it. That is what I did. I arrived in Albania, stayed in in Tirana for, I think, two nights uh, just to meet my um residency consultant and and get a feel for things, recover from jet lag a bit, yeah. went to Pogredets and I had an Airbnb for three nights. And then I was to move into this new apartment, which I did. It ended up being not a suitable apartment for me. I won't get into why. So then I was in a position where I had to quickly find a new apartment. So then I got through word of mouth and, and I ended up staying there for a year. And then I decided I needed, it was with a family. So I was basically renting rooms as opposed to an independent apartment. I was ready and needed to have my own space after a year of that. Uh, So now I have my own apartment, which I just love. It's the most fantastic apartment I've ever been in. Mm -hmm. Uh, So now I'm settled here and I feel comfortable here. Okay. So just a quick recap. You arrived, you stayed three days in uh, an Airbnb. Well, after the hotel, I guess, three days in the Airbnb. I did that because 
It's a foreign country. I have right. no idea if people are good for their word. So yeah. I had the insurance. I I had this Airbnb that so I got to town. I got to Pogradets and I had the Airbnb for three nights in case it wasn't legit, this apartment mm-hmm. <laughs> I arranged to rent for a year. So it turned out to be, but it ended up being not a suitable place for me to live. It didn't work for me. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And was it easy to break the contract? Yes. So we had just signed the lease and then we started having problems with the apartment. I will say in general, because Albania is a developing country, many rules, both official and unofficial, are fluid. So (laughs) that means they change legally Mm -hmm. and sometimes they just change informally. What ended up working there is I, I was very unhappy. The landlady was just a lovely woman. So I just, I gave her like, I had paid first month's rent. I gave her an extra, basically $100 US to just forget about the whole Ah. thing. And she was gracious enough to let me get away with that. Oh, very Uh, nice. In Tirana, from what I understand, it's a little more formalized and people pay like two months rent plus another security deposit. Mm -hmm. I got lucky. It'll just depend. There's no hard and fast rules on on. Contracts, housing. The place you live in is very nice. How did you find that place? So this was through a friend of mine. I met another expat who was living in this apartment. And he has since moved to Mexico. So we would spend time together in Pogradets, more or less a weekly basis. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to go to go to Mexico. And I'm like, well, I think I really want your apartment. <laughs> <laughs> no wow. offense, but I really would like your apartment. So he spoke to the landlord and it was all arranged and just worked out perfectly. Yeah. Wow. Great. And are there a lot of expats in town? Now there's pretty much me. <laughs> Uh, There are some other, I guess they're expats. There's a a number of religious or educational organizations in town. I don't know, really. I know one person in in that group of people, but I I don't really hang out with them. I think there are other expats here. I don't know them at this point. I did have this one friend that moved to Mexico. And then there was, I had another lady who was living in Pogradets and she's temporarily anyway, back in the U S I'm hoping she comes back, but, <laughs> but really it's, I'm mostly by myself right now. Yeah. Wow. I have to give you credit, Karen, Yeah, to do what you've done. I mean, <laughs> you know, we have listeners who have asked us to feature more single women who make the move on behalf of these ladies. I have to ask you, were you ever afraid of just being alone as a female? Is the city, are there areas that you already know that you may not, you shouldn't travel to and so forth? In Pogradets, I would say, no, there's not an unsafe area. It's a, I mean, it's a small town. Mm-hmm. It pretty much shuts down at nine o'clock. Like <laughs> oh, even wow. on a Saturday in the summer at midnight, it's down, it's over. During non-tourist season, by 10 o'clock, if you're walking down on the boardwalk on the water, you might be alone. The city, everybody goes home. Wow. Wow. It's it's a little unnerving, actually. Now, if if we're talking about Tirana or some of the coastal cities where there's a bigger mix of people, maybe there's more issues. I don't know. I haven't I haven't lived there. But here it's locals and then the small group of foreigners that are here. It, it feels very safe. Me. That's very nice and, to and hear. And as far as other single women, I mean, 
we're told a lot of things to be afraid of and yeah, not do, yeah. and just try to throw as much of that out as you can. It's just not accurate. Yeah. You know? All right. Good to know. And so, so there aren't, aren't many or any other expats around. Do the locals speak English? Not very much. No. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that has been the most, not in, in this town. Like mm-hmm. you get a little more in, in Tirana because during communist rule, there was very little, well, no Western influence and English was not taught in schools. From what I understand, uh, some French and Russian was taught in schools. So English wasn't taught here until post 90, 91, 92. So the the youngest generation, most of them have learned some English in school. However, they don't really get to practice it. Anytime I do hear someone speaking English that's Albanian, it's like, it's a <laughs> treat. Shock. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I just kind of assume nobody does because there's very little, you know. In terms of housing, what's the pricing like? Yeah, so in Pokeratz, of course, is cheaper because it's a small town. So here, rents, I would say, for for non-locals, because I'm sure there's a different price there. <laughs> but I would say it's fairly easy to get something around 200 U.S., 250 U.S., a good-size apartment, um, and then you would pay utilities on top of that. Uh, utilities and water, so electric and water. Is that a one bedroom or? Yeah, one bedroom, possibly even a two. Oh, wow! But a good, a good size. Yeah, I have a two bedroom. I'm paying three hundred thirty US. Wow, and that includes utilities, which is very. Con- I prefer that. I prefer to not have to worry about it. Sure. Now in Tirana, there's a full range, but I would say the absolute lowest rent is probably two fifty US. But it's more likely going to be around 400 US, I would okay. say, just from what other people for a one bedroom. Okay. But it's a big city with a lot more amenities, conveniences, options. Mm-hmm. Did it come furnished, your place? Yes, that's a, all those prices are are furnished apartments. Yeah. Okay. And just if you wouldn't mind running by, what does that include when you say totally furnished? Can you just move in with a suitcase of clothes? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you're going to need probably a few specific kitchen items or or maybe some towels or sheets, uh, linens if you're particular. But basically, yeah. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. And so yours includes utility, which is, I guess, the um, electricity, the heating, the gas, mm-hmm. or what have you. On top of that, I guess... You obviously pay for your own Wi-Fi and things of that nature, services. Yeah, I worked it out with my landlord that I he arranges it and I just pay him the amount. But yes, oh, wow. often oh, wow. extra, but it's also not expensive. Mm-hmm. It's uh, roughly about like $10, $10 US a month for wife for internet. Oh, wow. Incredible. And what is your cell phone cost approximately? My cell phone's about, again, $10 US. Wow. Oh, my plan. So that much cheaper so nice. than Canada and the U.S. Yeah. My Canadian cell phone was like 60 U.S. It was about 75 Canadian every month. In terms of banking, because it seems like your landlord was very helpful, mm-hmm. but in order to just get around, I was just thinking a couple of things, and one comes to mind is banking. 
Did you mm-hmm. open an account there or did you keep, I assume you kept some with Canada, right? I mean, you have a federal pension, which is wonderful. That's what Gene's going to be getting. <laughs> um, and we did the math the same way as you, you know, if you, if you leave a little earlier, a little later, but for him, the penalty just seemed a little more than we. Yeah. Wanted. I'm hanging in there. I have one more year. Yeah. He's hanging oh, in one more year to get, the, to get the full pension. Yeah. So talk to us about that. How was that experience? There's a couple issues there. Now with residency, the residency process, sometimes they're requiring people to open a bank account, depending on the type of residence permit you're getting. So again, these rules are fluid. But for example, if you're being told you need to open an account for your permit, then that's what you'll need to do. And you'll need to put a certain amount of money in. I didn't have to do that for mine. At no point have I been required to open a bank account. So I haven't until recently, and then I'll come back to that. So for banking, I've kept all my Canadian stuff open Mm -hmm. because my credit cards are Canadian. As you say, my pension, everything goes automatically in there. I still have bills to pay in Canada and I pay for storage in Canada. And so everything, I didn't change anything of Mm -hmm. my Canadian account. I did open an international account. So I opened a wise account. And again, I found this through my research. And it's been fantastic. There's a couple other providers. One's Revolut. I don't know much about it, but I have seen other expats recommend it. But I use WISE. So what happens is I transfer money from my Canadian account into my WISE online international account. And it comes with a debit card. And I arranged all this before I left Canada. Set that up and I got the debit card before I left Canada. So I move money into this international account. And then any country that I am in, I just put my WISE debit card in a machine and I take out that country's currency. Oh, nice. In some countries, there's banks that there's no extra charges. So I sort of keep notes if I find them. Yeah, really? Then there's some countries where I haven't found one yet. So I just pay whatever the, you know, five to seven euros per withdrawal. It's great for Albania because Albania is a cash country. Very few places take cards of any kind, debit or credit. You are withdrawing from bank machines. So it's been fantastic. Because why the Wise account has very low fees. So I might pay a couple of dollars or a dollar. I might pay 50 cents for the transfer from Canada to Wise. Like it's been very economical and completely worth it. And it's a free, like there's no monthly fees on it. Amazing. And I can get paid or pay other people. In multiple currencies. Oh, nice. So, for example, the writing I do, they pay me in euros. I send them a WISE invoice and they pay me and it goes into my WISE euro account. It's fantastic. It it really is. They don't help take take LEC. So that's not set up. Okay. (laughs) But the day-to-day, is it uh, when you buy, you know, groceries or whatever, is it LEC or is it euros? It's LEC. Yeah. You'll see a lot of... You'll see posts where saying, you know, everyone ex- will also accept euros. No, that's that's not the case. You might look out and especially in, you know, the touristy areas. Yes, some businesses might accept euros. You're always going to get a better deal if you're dealing with native currency. Yeah. But taxi drivers or that type. Yes, they'll accept euros. So then back to the bank account. Yes. I went to go pay my bill, uh, my social security tax bill a couple months ago. And the teller said, oh, why don't, and she speaks English. So this is why I go to this bank. Oh, wow. Said, why don't you open an account? I said, why do I need to open an account? She goes, well, you'll pay 
the fees you'll pay, because I pay a bank fee every time I pay a bill, the fees will be half. So you'll save quite a bit of money. What I needed to pay for the account and it was going to be worth it. So I said, sure, sign me up. So this was two months ago. <laughs> I still don't have an account. <laughs> what? So the, yeah. Should you open a bank account? I would say only if you're required to. So she told me it was going to take three days. And her supervisor <laughs> said three days. So I went back four days later. And then they said, no, it's going to take two weeks. So I'm like, okay. So I went back two weeks later. So now they just have my phone number. And whenever it gets set up, they're going to call me. So you didn't leave any money with them? No, no. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I gave- I gave them my, I had to give them my accountants. I have an accountant for my business. It's a requirement. Uh, okay. So I gave them her contact info because she had to verify that I'm a business and did. that's all I needed to do. Yeah, no, they don't have any any money or anything. Okay. So okay. It's just not developed yet. They haven't worked it out. But just so I'm clear, what would require a bank account? Mm-hmm. You had mentioned there are certain individuals that the country imposes on the individual to open an account. Uh, for some residence permits, for example, the person whose apartment I, I assumed he thought about uh, applying for residency and he was told he had to open a bank account, put a certain amount in it. So this was a, a directive through immigration. So again, these, I suspect it depends the type of residency permit you are applying for. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Don't okay. Know. But that's something people can research in it ahead of yeah. time. Yeah. And be prepared that it might be something you need to do. Mm-hmm. But there's no financial threshold to obtain a long-term residency. In- again, it d- depends on the type, uh, but I, it's certainly... Any threshold is much lower than, say, you know, Italy, Greece. Yeah, uh, Spain. it's it's right. a lot lower. Right. We had a guest who was in Ireland, and she loved it there. You know, it was her calling, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But they increased the threshold, and unfortunately, she couldn't meet it. Yeah. So she wound up going back to the U.S., and that was uh, that was tough. Let's move on to healthcare. How have you found the healthcare there so far? Not impressed being perfectly blunt. Some people have, you know, said, oh, it's fantastic. That reaction may be just because it's free or low cost Mm -hmm. coming from the States where you're paying exorbitant uh, fees for things out of pocket. But even so, the quality of care is inconsistent. I would say sometimes it's fantastic and sometimes it's not. It's just the culture of medicine, if, if I can say, is just not what I would like coming from Canada, whereas the culture of medicine is very much care-based and everything is about quality of care. And Canada is not perfect either, but the culture of care is, is really important. They haven't established that here, I would say, is my, my feeling about it. So I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, There's, I mean, there, but it- there is national health care that is free. Like you're, you're not going to you're not going to die in the streets. If something happens, there are many private hospitals and there's the national system and you're not going to pay a ton of money. You're going to get help. Mm-hmm. I think my concern is more people that have chronic conditions or are worried about an acute condition, like a heart condition or something like that. I would express caution for those people mm-hmm. thinking of coming here because it's just not there yet. Did you look into that beforehand? Did you need to identify a primary care just in case? And was that difficult? Yeah, I mean, I did my you know, standard search in my YouTube yeah. search. <laughs> yeah. 
And sort of got the same inconsistent information, but a lot of just there's private care available. There seemed to be solutions, but they weren't clear. Okay. Then once I got here, I mean, I haven't, I had a one doctor visit once when I had a severe cough uh, last year and I was, I got appropriate care and appropriate medicine um, through the public system in, in Pogoretz. But I do have a health condition that requires prescriptions. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, none of the prescriptions I take are available, not only in Albania, but they're also not available in Europe. Oh, So my new plan, <laughs> so now I, I fill them in Canada and I'll just have to do regular visits to Canada and bring them with a doctor's letter okay. to Albania. That's my workaround. I found out that they had healthcare. I sort of got some info, but no matter what, it's not going to be exactly what you expect. Sure. Just sure. because... It's not a fully developed country in, in any of its infrastructures, including medicine. Okay. So did you say you're already on the national health care plan? Uh, yes, because I have, I'm a self-employed person and I pay into, I pay about $100 US a month because it's kind of, I don't know if you have, if it's exactly the same in the US. In Canada, we pay CPP, Canada Pension Plan, and then the employer pays, like if you work for someone, you mm-hmm. pay it and employer pays it. Right. As a self-employed person in Canada and also here, you play both portions. So okay. maybe it would just be $50 a month if you don't have the same type of permit I have, but I, me, it's about $100 a month. But yes, I have national health care. How okay. often do you go back to Canada? Uh, I was just there in April, which so that was about 15 months I was here until it, before going back. And my hope is roughly every 18 months. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, barring any urgent need to go back, but mm-hmm. that's sort of the rough plan. Mm-hmm. Now, something you mentioned earlier that's been stuck in my mind because we recorded an episode earlier about storage units, not about yeah. storage, but about organizing. Mm-hmm. So you left Ottawa, you had your whole, your full life of content. How did you manage that? And was the move to Albania? How, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say. Did you go there with three suitcases? Or, no, oh. Say, how do you know what to put in storage? Because I'm assuming you're aware or conscious of the storage costs. And in Canada, mm-hmm. like the US, I'm sure it's mm-hmm. not that cheap. Mm-hmm. T- talk to us about that. I'm very curious. Yeah, that was the whole downsizing is a process. <laughs> yeah, And it's not an easy one. It's It's really not. So I started about maybe six to nine months before my departure, getting rid of things. That's a short and, period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't own a home. I was renting. So right. and right. an apartment. So I, I had the contents of a two-bedroom apartment. And and one of the rooms was my, my adult son's stuff who was okay. at college. Yeah. So not all mine, but <laughs> so I started with the easy stuff. How we get so many things, I don't know. But I seem to have a ton of kitchen stuff that I'd never used. Right, that, right. I got rid of all the easy stuff first. I never stopped sort of once I'd made the decision. Yep. I was always getting rid of things. Right. I'd touch something in the cupboard. It's like, get rid of it if I had made a decision about it. Yeah. So it is a long process. By the time I got down to, you know, the last few months, and then, you know, you price out the storage units. You're like, okay, then you... <laughs> 
you're like, okay, I need to be a little more serious about this because I can't afford, you know, a big unit. So I got yeah. down to the size. I knew what yeah. size I was going to be dealing with. Then it was like, well, all I really have to store is my finished paintings. Uh-huh. They be stored, you know, safely so that they don't get damaged over time. So I knew I had my paintings to store. And then the extra space was whatever else, which boiled down to, you know, photos and books and some clothes. And there's probably a few things I shouldn't have bothered. (laughs) But you get to a point where you just can't. Anyway, it's a five by seven by nine unit. Okay. Which is pretty full, not till the rafters full, but pretty full. Okay. But yeah, but it's difficult and it's exhausting. Like, right, right. Because it's a, a million decisions. Every piece of paper is a decision. I would recommend people start early and do what they feel, do the easy stuff first. And then you kind of get used to doing it. There's less stuff on the wall. There's less, less furniture. There's less clothes. And as things get smaller, it gets a little easier to just then make it smaller, smaller, smaller. But yeah, there's things that are difficult. Yeah. You know. Is your son still in college or did he finish? He graduated during COVID. He's working in Canada. Okay. So my question is, what about his room? How did you handle that? You say, come and get everything? Kind of. (laughs) So, I mean, I went through there, you know, there were things that were easy to figure out. But no, when he visited, so he was only down a couple of times. So he came to visit me in the summer. I decided to move. Uh, he visited in the summer of that year. And I just was like, you have you have to do this. So within, you know, he it was yeah. pretty brutal for him, I'm sure. Went yeah. through a ton of his stuff. I told him he could keep some of it in storage and he still is a little bit at my storage, but he was good. He, he got most rid of most of it and then moved, you know, took some of it back to his city. He lived in a different city so he took some of it with him he gave some to his friends he did oh nice Nice. needed to do he was back again at christmas right before i left so then there were a few lingering things i'd meanwhile sold all his furniture (laughs) or given furniture (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) so i think he slept on an air mattress if i'm not mistaken (laughs) um you know we've got to do and i'm curious what did your son think of you moving to albania there was no complaints um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it just I think the general reaction was, oh, okay. Um, and <laughs> as I say, he, he'd gone to college in a different city and he stayed there. So mm-hmm. we were already used to, you know, not being in each other's space mm-hmm. all, you know, all the time. It is hard. It's, it's hard every time I say goodbye to him. It breaks my heart a okay. little. Oh my God. Tell but me. we get over it and realistically we only saw each other a few times a year at the most right we do video calls now you know we started mm-hmm. that during covid so yeah it's always going to be heartbreaking when we we part company but in the interim we're okay yeah it's tough it is tough and it, your son's going to have our time and that's that's okay that he has a hard time because yeah. it's pretty growing up yep yeah i have a question about your art so you didn't take any of your finished artwork to albania no no wow yeah, that was hard <laughs> putting it in the storage unit. And so I, I put it in the storage unit in December 2021. And then I was still in my apartment for the month of December. And then I gave up my apartment. And I moved in with my mom for a month and a half. Mm-hmm. 
So, but yeah, when I closed that storage unit and then went home, the walls are bare and all, it was hard because I'm used to having, you know, my paintings are mine. Yeah, yeah, you know, of course. They're my creations and they're right. Yeah. Right. so much. They're just so much. So okay. yeah, it was, it was difficult. Okay. okay. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm starting over here. Like I'm, I'm painting now and I'm starting over. Yeah. Yeah. Go to the, the weather. What's the weather like there? Is it Mediterranean climate? Yeah. So for the most part, yes. Pogradets is a little higher elevation, so it's not quite as hot as the coast. So the coast, it can get up to like 40 degrees. It's hot in the summer. So here in the summer, it can get up to 30, 31, but it cools off also at, at night. In the summer, the weather in Pogradets is fantastic. In the winter, it's also cooler than the rest of the country. So Turan is actually quite moderate in the in the winter even, you know, quite pleasant. Here it can be about, I'm going to speak in Celsius because I don't yeah, know. Yeah. If I That's fine. But in, in Celsius here the winter, you know, one or two degrees, you know, at night might go to minus two at night during the wow. day, maybe five degrees. But I'm coming from Ottawa. So in yeah. Ottawa, <laughs> in yeah. February, it's minus 30, sometimes oh. minus 40 with the wind. So wow. it's nothing. It's yeah. really yeah. nothing. So this is paradise for you. It truly is. And I, I <laughs> no nostalgia for the snow. I'm over it. <laughs> I don't care if I ever see snow again. I actually do see snow on the mountaintops. And there are regions of Albania in the north that do get snow but i don't need to see them <laughs> i would uh, say the climate is quite good yeah 40 uh in the 40s is high i remember one of our uh colleagues is in um i think in spain and he said it was mm -hmm. 44 so i i looked it up yeah. of course and it was well over 100 degrees yes Fahrenheit. that's hot that's so, hot yeah yeah so your apartment is it air conditioned Yes. And I, I will say that people that are actually, this will, would apply to anywhere in Europe. Mm -hmm. Make sure you, the apartment or if Airbnb or whatever that you rent or buy or rent anyway, I guess is most relevant, has an aircon unit. And usually they're all in one. So they do both heat and oh, air conditioning. Right, right. Okay. Because it's cold. There is no insulation. The houses are built of concrete. There is no drywall. There, it's literally painted concrete for the most part. Okay. Um, some places might have a little bit of board, but there's no insulation. So when it is, you know, five degrees Celsius outside, you're cold in your house. Right, right. Some apartments do not have these aircon units. They might have a plug-in heater, which is not sufficient. You're going to be uncomfortable. Okay. Uh, and this is not just Albania. I hear this from people that live in, you know, Italy, Spain, anywhere, anywhere there's not insulation in the home. Central air is not really a thing here. So that is something when you're looking at housing anywhere to be mindful of the heat and air conditioning units. But yes, my apartment has three units, which is fantastic. Oh, uh, good for yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think I would not be a happy person. G knows I would not oh, be a camper. <laughs> no, in your home, you should be comfortable. Like, right. you know, in Albania, because incomes are low, often, you know, if you're in someone else's home or businesses, they won't have the heat on. It's quite mm -hmm. common you go into a shop in the winter and they're just oh. in their coat in the shop. Ah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're tough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not, right. Not so willing to be tough in my, in my home. I want to be warm and comfortable. Sure. Sure. Yeah. To be able to do what you need to do without being yeah. like tight. Yeah. I, I yeah. forgot to mention, where is the nearest international airport? So uh, Tirana would be uh, only, um, 
I think only international airport in Albania. They're building a small one somewhere else. Uh, and it's about two and a half hours drive or two and a half hours by bus uh, from Pogodets, which is to me not a, not a problem. There is smaller airports in North Macedonia. I think in Elridge, uh, there's a town called Elridge or Skopje. It's a little further drive. I mean, if you have a vehicle, it might be easy to get there a few hours. But Tirana is the one I always fly out of. Since we're on that topic, I assume you don't have a car, correct? No. Mm -hmm. Okay. And do you need one? No. I mean, if I want, I I would have been able to see more of Albania with one because, you know, it has limited infrastructure. There's no trains, but there is a bus system, but it's limited and you have to sort of learn what the routes are and when they go and that, but it's there. There's a lot of private drivers. I mean, you can always get anywhere with a private driver, but it's going to cost you. You don't need one. I don't want one. So public transportation is readily available and it seems you take the bus everywhere, right? Yeah, I take the bus everywhere. Occasionally I will have a driver. Like when I came back from Canada, I had three large checked bags plus two small ones. I knew I was coming back with stuff. So I hired a driver Mm -hmm. to bring me from the airport to here. And that cost me a hundred and 10 euros. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, it's a lot, but it's also in that situation. That's not bad because it's that's far. two hours though, right? It's, yeah, it's that's yeah. not bad. That's at not all. bad at all. Well, it, is, yeah. it is bad based on what my income is. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So it's a big expense. It's all relative. Yes, right. yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. all relative. And absolutely. normally I would take the, so I'd take the shuttle from the airport, which would cost me about $4. And then I would take the bus from Tirana to here, which would cost me another $6. So there's no train in town. Zero trains in the country. Oh, Oh, in the country. Oh, Oh, wow. Yes. All right. Now, here's the fun part. And that is when you walk outside of your complex, can you just take a couple of steps for a cafe? Oh, there's a cafe every four feet here. Oh, my goodness. There's a huge cafe. The beauty. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all actually bar slash cafe. Ah. So it's alcohol and coffee and no food. And then a restaurant (laughs) is another type of establishment for the most part. There's some that sort of cross the lines and and do both. There's so many cafes. Yeah. Big coffee culture here. And it's good coffee, too. And it's not expensive. So what's not expensive? Like what's what is a latte or or cappuccino? Anything. So an espresso is about a dollar. Oh. Or less, even mm-hmm. nice. 70 cents. Uh, mm-hmm. In, in uh, Pogorets, it's going to be maybe a little cheaper, but it might go soar as high as, you know, a dollar fifty in Tirana. I think <laughs> a, a macchiato is a dollar fifty. Oh. It's not, mm-hmm. everything is a bit smaller portion. Right. right. But, you know, so, you coffee's know, very expensive. Yeah, you may get frustrated with the uh, medical care, but man, what a good time. <laughs> yeah. With the laptop and, 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 uh, and yeah. 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 <laughs> and the, I mean, the, the Rocky and wine is also the <laughs> similarly priced. So, oh. you know, dollar, dollar or two, you can wow. buy that, that desire should you wish to. Yeah. And and how are the restaurants there? The restaurants are good. I don't, honestly, I don't go out a lot. Uh, I mostly eat at home. The food is, is well prepared, but it's mostly in Pogredets, mostly traditional food. And then you've got pizza and sort of their version of a, a gyro, which is called souflach. It's called fast food. And it's basic. Like, you know, you're not going to come to Albania for, uh, you know, high cuisine. You're going to go to Italy. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they went in the food department as far as I'm concerned. Okay. But it's good food. The food is mostly local and, and you know, home prepared. So you're not going to get in poker dads, you're not going to get tacos or Thai mm-hmm. or you know, it, you're going to get traditional food and pizza. And, and that's about it. In Tirana, there's more options. You know, there's there's some Indian places. There's there's some Tex-Mex. I mean, I'm not familiar with them because I don't live there, but it seems like there's good food there as well. And it would be less expensive and, and uh, than what you're used to in the States for sure. Right, right. Okay. So here's my question. You mentioned pizza places. Mm-hmm. But we live in Brooklyn, <laughs> Brooklyn, New York. And in New York City, so many Albanians open pizza shops. Mm-hmm. So many. Are there yeah. tons of pizza shops in Albania? There's quite a few, yeah. I think, I mean, I, I'm not 100% sure about this, but it, it sort of seems like when people don't know what else to do work-wise, <laughs> they open either a bar cafe or a fast food place or a pizza place or a nail parlor or, you know, they yeah. open just anything, something. So I think a lot of cases that's a pizza place or a cafe they don't all last, of course. So I think, you know, maybe they got to Brooklyn and they're like, well, I know how to do this. So <laughs> <laughs> this is what you do. You order, yeah. you open a pizza. I don't know. Yeah. You know, everybody likes pizza, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> it's a good. good now, uh, I was just curious about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's talk a little about your art. Has living in Albania influenced your art? Oh, I'm sure it has. I haven't completed enough works to really see it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's influenced the colors I use a bit. It certainly influenced my state of mind just because I'm so happy <laughs> and I'm able to be in a relaxed state and, and also have a schedule that is very flexible. So it's much more conducive to art just in general. So I would say it, it's influenced me very indirectly. And directly, it has influenced me in that some of my subject matter is Albanian or things I see or experience here. So sort of indirectly, I would say. But time will tell more. And what do you paint? I used to paint only figures, nudes and clothed figures. I recently, since I've come here, I've finished one still life and I am I just started another one. So this is new for me. Um, but I still... Uh, also uh, paint figures. So the figure painting is my main, what appeals to me the most, the type of art I like to look at and what interests me. So that's still what I mostly focus on. When you say figures, you mean human figures, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And where can people see your art? So my whole website is karensfig.art. And then there's a section on art. There's a section on photography, which is all my travel photography. I, I also love taking pictures. Um, there's a section on oh, on my writing. So I've written some articles about, you know, downsizing, about being an expat, about nice. some of my travel experiences. So there's a, I'll do more of that too. That's sort of on my to-do list is more writing. So karenesby.art and then just pick the section that, that interests you. Oh, that sounds wonderful. That's so, so nice. Is there a big art scene in Pogreda? Um, No. <laughs> and I'm st- actually, I'm still learning sort of what there are some artists here. There are, are actually a number of artists here. I've met a couple of them, old, they're older artists, but there's not, not what I would consider a community that I'm in. I think I'm just not there yet. Um, and again, there's the language barrier and there's other barriers. So I don't have an art community here yet. There are artists here, but again, art culture in Albania is 
in early stages. And that's partly because it's developing, because incomes are low. So, you know, art is not something people can just go out and buy. In Tirana, there are galleries, there are exhibitions, and there's, you know, it's starting. It's starting. But this is something that will take longer. So you say you love living in Albania. Why do you love it? Coming from a, a Western country where, I mean, every we've got everything, right? You know, in Canada and the U.S., it's really just a money, a matter of money and knowing where how to get something. But with that phenomenal structure and infrastructure and privilege comes a lot of rules and a lot of it has to be done this way. You, you try to make an exception and it's not happening. You're within this rigid, rigid systems of, of things here. Whatever systems are there, as I say, are fluid. They and and it can be frustrating because they don't make sense, but it's also refreshing because there's less rules. There, there's a lot more improvising. There's more just make it happen. <laughs> it just feels freer, which I really enjoy. I love the landscape here. Um, it's so beautiful, uh, and it, it's wild too. Like there's no you know, fences around things. And even as I go, as I travel into Europe, even the art, it's on the buildings. It's not behind glass. It's, you know, I'm not talking the Mona Lisa here. Mm-hmm. Most places, most museums, the art is accessible. The architecture is accessible. There's not a lot of rules around everything. So I really am enjoying the freedom of that and how it feels to have less rules. It's not going to suit everybody. You have to kind of let go. In Albania particularly, you need to let go of expecting things to go a specific (laughs) way all the time because Mm -hmm. they won't. Whereas, you know, in a a developed country, you know the rules, you know what's going to happen. That's it. Where There's comfort in. You've got to sort of let go of expecting that comfort. And the sooner you do, the happier you're going to be, you know, in whatever country that choosing to be in. And as an outsider, do you think you're welcomed by the locals? I don't know. <laughs> because again, <laughs> you've got this language barrier. Yeah. I know the family I live with, they talk to me like I'm a member of their family. They tell uh-huh. me, you know, family, you don't knock on the door, you just come in. So they've really embraced me very openly. But I also mostly just get stared at by people when I'm walking in the street. They're not sh- why I'm here. I'm confusing to them. <laughs> but So I would say, yes, I'm certainly not treated badly. I'm kind of looked at with confusion. And the people I do have direct you know, interactions with at some of the shops are very nice to me and lovely. And we try to stumble through conversations. And generally, yes, I'm accepted. But it's also there is a very wide cultural gap, which I will never be able to cross. So making real friends here will be difficult and may never happen. Like Albanian friends. I don't know. It hasn't happened yet. I'm curious, what is it that makes you stand out? Is it your demeanor? Is it your dress? Is it, how do they even know that you're a foreigner? I mean, I know if I'm- (laughs) It's a million things. I'm a woman. I'm single. I travel alone. And so I'm here. I've arrived in this small town alone with my cat. I brought my cat. Um, I have no husband with me. And then I gallivant off to destinations all by myself. And this is just not the way of life here. Okay. Because that's Uh, commonplace here, you know. It's not here. Like women. So again, I'm in a small town. Tirana is going to be different. Here, the women, male and female roles are generally very traditional to what Albania has established, Mm -hmm. um, which is very, very different from what I 
want and need as a woman sure a western culture so th- there's that yeah i don't know <laughs> okay i, I, I don't think know. i don't know enough either like i think over time i'll learn more as i start to connect with other albanians i'll right. learn more about what's actually going on i just sort of that's my feeling about what's going on so basically everything you need is there though the shops provide everything for your lifestyle that doesn't seem to have changed that much right are you able to order items online and have them delivered at least no no so where do you get your art supplies and and what have you if you run out I did bring a basic set with me when I first sure, came of course because I wasn't sure where I was going to find everything but since then I have found you know options in Pogradets there's a few places that sell where I can get candy canvases where I can get inexpensive art supplies, but not great quality. In Tirana, there are a couple of very good art stores uh, that have good quality paint, solvents, canvases, easels, that type of thing. Right. Sometimes I buy stuff there. Often when I travel, I'll buy stuff. So when I was in Italy, I bought some paintbrushes. When I was in North Macedonia, there's an art store which has the solvents I like. Your only limitation is if it's a liquid, of course, it has to be unchecked a bit. So that's a challenge. It has to be a land journey if you're bringing back liquids. But no, I mean, you figure it out. Yeah, Uh, yeah over time. Yeah, I was just wondering. All right. Well, we've taken up a ton of your time. We thank you for everything you've shared and more. We had all of our questions answered through your responses. They were so rich and very flourishing. So we thank you. It's been a pleasure. Is there anything that you want to add? Anything we missed? Just, you know, for, for people that are thinking and thinking and researching. And at some point, you're going to have to stop thinking and stop researching and just do it. And I encourage you to to not wait till things are perfect and, and just do it and figure it out because it, it's not going to, no matter where you're going to go and no matter how well you plan it, it's going to be different on the end of where you land. And that's, that's just fine. And uh, it'll still be great mm-hmm. and just do it. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm happy that you sent a photo of one of your works of art. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. No person in there, but. Yeah, that's what I'm still. (laughs) I haven't finished those yet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, she's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And it was so nice. What a pleasure meeting you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to meet you, too. Okay. Thank you. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com. And you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well. Be well.